Welcome to the Gospel Rain Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Dr. Matt Brown and Dr. Micah Carter. We hope you will find gospel-centered answers to your questions about theology and the Christian life. And now, we welcome you to the Gospel Rain Conversation. Welcome back to the Gospel Rain Podcast. Glad you're listening again with us as we continue in our discussion of the Baptist faith and message. My name is Micah Carter. I'm here with Matt Brown, and we're delighted uh, that you've joined us again. So if you are just jumping into the podcast and trying to find your way, uh, we've already discussed kind of the introduction of this article on salvation. If you haven't listened to that, you might want to go back and listen and bring you up to speed before uh, listening further in this episode. And if you're new to the whole discussion of the Baptist faith and message, it would probably be worthwhile to go back to the first episode where we talked about the context of why we're looking at this confession and why Baptists have a confession as opposed to a creed and those kinds of, of uh, items of discussion. Hey, and by the way, since you're yep. talking about that, if somebody can't find it on iTunes, which it's out there, iTunes and Stitcher and all those other kind of players, you can go to the website, gospelrain.com, That's right. and every episode will be there. Sometimes they're hard to find on iTunes if you go back further than eight episodes or something like that. So right. I'm just, it's just a maybe that will help. No, that's, that's great. That's great. So we're going to jump back into this discussion of salvation. As we mentioned, in the 1925, many of these things were broken up as standalone articles. The 63 kind of synthesized them all into one and then put them into subsets. And the 2000 retained that. And so, Matt, for our topic of discussion today, we want to look at regeneration and justification in particular. Uh, in the midst of this, we'll also have a little bit of discussion about repentance and faith, which is present in the 25. It's also present in the 63, but it's, it's all formatted differently in each, in each version. So regeneration, as we talked about, new birth, okay? Uh, in the last episode, you had a little bit of a, of, of a discussion that you raised that people disagree on the ordering of regeneration and, let's say, faith. Meaning, does regeneration happen before faith, or does faith happen before regeneration? Right. Uh, are these? Does this really matter in terms of how we conceive of salvation, or are we just trying to be biblical to what the text of Scripture is saying? Are we trying to make sure we're putting the right emphasis there? What's what's at the heart of that conversation, Matt? Yeah, I, in answer to the first question, I do think it matters, but I don't think it is. Um, I don't think it's a matter that should divide us. Mm -hmm. I think that's been the issue. Mm -hmm. uh, it does. I would say personally, in my own theology, in the way I have worked through my theology and what I think about all of these different words and how these things play into the process of salvation, I. I I, 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 it does matter to me, um, and, and I think it does matter specifically how you order certain things because I think that's going to play a part in other things. Okay. So, in other okay. words, I think some of these issues of salvation sort of domino. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And so I think because in the order of those things, I think it does matter. But, I, but I, what I have found, at least in my own personal life, is a lot of people use the order 
and make it more than mm-hmm. it's supposed to matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that makes sense. As if you're not reading Scripture right, or yeah. this is going to affect your theology and your evangelism and those kind of things. Yeah, and I don't want to talk to you anymore. All right. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. That's where that escalated quickly. <laughs> I, think there's a, I just think there's a lot of guys who just who make it probably matter maybe more than it should. Yeah. And I guess that's sort of an answer that's, to the that's question. It. No, that's a good one. Let me, let me read the... Um, let me read the article and then give you a little context and, and let you re- react to it uh, as we were kind of playing off of a chapter article in a book called The Baptist Faith and Message 2000 by Doug Blunt and Joseph Woodell, uh, written by Al Mohler, and I'll make a comment about that in just a minute. Here's what, here's what the subsection on, re- on regeneration says, then we'll deal with justification later. Regeneration, or the new birth is a work of God's grace whereby believers become new creatures in Christ Jesus. It is a change of heart wrought by the Holy Spirit through conviction of sin, to which the sinner responds in repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith are inseparable experiences of grace. Repentance is a genuine turning from sin toward God, Faith is the acceptance of Jesus Christ and commitment of the entire personality to him as Lord and Savior. So, pretty interesting discussion there. Yeah. Right? It's, it's the lengthiest um, one. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And so, a little context here from the 25, bringing us up to the 2000. Um, Moeller contends that the 63 was concerned in some sense that the 25 was was more reflective of the reformed nature of the New Hampshire Confession. Herschel Hobbes, who was the chairman of the 63 committee, was not, is not a Calvinist, was not reformed, um, and he did not believe that regeneration precedes faith. But Moeller says it's ironic that the way that the 63 statement is written inclines it to read that regeneration precedes faith. That doesn't I don't think that's necessarily the conclusion, but as he's reading it, and to a degree when I when I read it I thought, yeah, uh, it's a change of heart by the Spirit, to which the sinner responds. So it seems like the priority is regeneration is being worked in your heart and a response is forthcoming. Yeah. The response of the believer is to the work of regeneration by right. the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. Now the article goes on to say that they are inseparable, repentance and faith are inseparable experiences of grace, but that the emphasis still is on the work of God's grace uh in the heart of people through conviction of sin. So in theology, would you and maybe some of this discussion as to why there's so much debate is that would you agree that some people are hearing the ordering in terms of uh, a temporal sense that this happens first then this then this then this rather than a logical ordering that regeneration precedes faith in terms of the if conversion is one experience which it is but What's happening in terms of priority from the Scripture and from this is that we who are dead in sin, made alive by Christ, trust Him, and you know we, we go on in repentance and faith. Yeah, and I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier, that, that in a sense it does matter, but, 
but in another sense, it does not matter. When, when, somebody, when somebody responds to the gospel and is saved, if I go to share the gospel with somebody, mm-hmm. and I share the gospel with them, and they, they say, yes, I'm, I'm ready to trust Jesus, they, they say a 20-second prayer in response to the, what they understand and the grace of God, and they get saved. Mm-hmm. In that moment, the order of salvation to me does not matter one bit. I'm not parsing out right. in that person. Right. Okay, when did he do that, and was that first, and was that second? I'm just saying that that stuff doesn't matter when it comes to that. Okay, so in a sense, it's not going to matter to me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to share the gospel. The guy's going to get saved, hopefully, and that's what I pray for. But but when it comes to the issues of, like you're talking about, the the order of these things, I think sometimes we may get we can get lost. We can be guilty of getting lost in the weeds a little bit, right, right? When it comes to order, as to which part is first, I I will say this about what I do. Uh, something that I think is really important in in this part of the article is the fact that faith and repentance are inseparable. Mm-hmm. Now I mm-hmm. like I like the word mm-hmm. they are inseparable yep. um, because I think even then some would even try in the the order of salvation to try to figure out which one of those comes first. Right, um, right. And there again, I, even even in my own theology, I don't know that that would even matter to me. Well, isn't this the lordship controversy? That's, that's that exactly right. You Can, tr- believe right. in Jesus, but l- you live like a hellion until you that's right. repent or whatever? That's right. So it goes back to the, so the, the argument that many have, that have, have faced in their, in, their, in, their, in their preaching is to preach Jesus as Lord and Savior, or Savior and Lord, not, in other words, you can't have Jesus as just Savior and not Lord. Right. Right. Uh, because the, the, that goes back to the issue of faith and repentance being inseparable. Uh, they they do happen, whether they happen together at the same, whether they happen together as one event or whether they are the first and second in some kind of order, they are inseparable. Yeah. That you can't yeah. pull them apart. Because if a, a genuinely repentant person, we would mm-hmm. say that person has faith in Christ. Yeah. The reason they repented is because they believe, right? And, and that's and, right. And so vice versa. I think, it, you know, this article, is, this, this, these two phrases really are very interesting. It is a change of heart wrought by the Holy Spirit through conviction of sin to which the sinner responds in repentance. Yeah. That seems kind of. Regeneration proceeds. <laughs> it does. It does. And Trevin Wax, if you're listening to this, you need to lean into that. <laughs> and I, I particularly, I particularly <laughs> like the wording, mm-hmm. and I like the wording here without an argument for order. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, see what I mean yeah, by that? I, I, I think order is sort of implied, mm-hmm. maybe here. Mm-hmm. And I like that order, at least in my own theology, but I like the absence of the argument for a particular order of things. Which is, you know, which right. is, as I mentioned, Herschel Hobbes did not subscribe to this doctrinally. Right. So to produce right. a, two sentences that uh, seemingly kind of go against his own doctrinal position is interesting. You and I talked about prior to the um, recording that you know, like you say, people get down in the weeds. They get sideways on this stuff because it it it's confusing or it it leads to other consequences. Like, can somebody be regenerated and not know it? Can somebody regen be regenerated and you know not believe? Well, E. Y. Mullins, who was the chairman of the 1925 committee, uh, says it this way, and I'll, I'll I'll quote him. He said, and I quote: "In strict logic, in in strict logic." 
Regeneration precedes both faith and repentance if we begin with the true gospel teaching that all is due to the grace of God. Yet here again, fact and apparent logic do not necessarily coincide. The correct view is that regeneration and repentance and faith are simultaneous events in the soul's life. No impenitent or unbelieving soul can be a regenerate soul, just as no penitent believer can be unregenerate. And I think he's I think he's right. I think he's holding yeah, those two yeah. things in, in the right tension. Yeah, again, I think that goes back to, you know, the issues matter systematically. Right. But don't matter in the in the life in in the in, in the way this is just sort of lived out. Right. Um I think all of them sort of happen. We we would say looking at a person, he repented, he was regenerated, he had faith, he uh, all of those things all at the same time. He got saved. That's what we mean. He, we use the word saved, which That's is right. why this is in the article salvation, right? Because all those things sort of are included. As the as the first part of the article said, in its broadest sense, salvation mm-hmm. includes all of those things. So we would say the guy got saved, right? That's right. That's right. And the the clarification in the, in the opening statement, regeneration or the new birth, is also, it reminds me of John chapter 3. Mm-hmm. Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, you must be born again, and how he responded to it. I can't go into my mother's womb and be born a second time. What do you mean? And Jesus uses this language that the Spirit blows where the Spirit wants to blow and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, How much do we we really connect spiritual new birth to the illustration that Jesus is using with physical new birth? Because when we think about it, I didn't do anything to conceive myself. I didn't do anything to birth myself. And frankly, I have no memory of the very early years of my physical life. Mm-hmm. But I'm alive, and at some point I, you know, matured into it. Is that what Jesus is trying to say about the spiritual birth because I think Mullins is right. These are inseparable in a simultaneous event. So we don't want to give the sense that and I don't think Jesus is. You don't want to give a sense that someone is made alive apart from their own desire, apart from their own response to the gospel, apart from those things, as if the Holy Spirit just comes around and says, here you go, and yeah. you're going to find out later. You know, yeah. I, I don't think that's the emphasis of the text. Do you? I, I agree. I agree with you. I don't think that is either. And I think that would be um, in keeping with the doctrine of the Trinity— that would be uh, that would be contradictory to our belief of the Trinity. In other words, we 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 talk about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the unity of the Trinity and how they work together. In other words, the Father is not going to do anything independent of the Spirit and the Son, mm-hmm. and the Spirit is not going to do anything independent of the work of the Son and the Father. So, right. meaning. Uh, just practically speaking, I don't believe the the Holy Spirit, and I don't believe Jesus is teaching this, that the Holy Spirit can save someone or will save someone apart from the work of the Son, active, uh, actively bringing him to uh, a conversion and, and regeneration. In other words, I don't, I don't think, a, I, I don't, because again, because I don't think Jesus is teaching this, but the Holy Spirit is not going to do the work uh, that he needs to do to accomplish that salvation in a person apart from the person understanding the work of Jesus. Totally. That's so, right. You know, we, That's good. people look at, you know, somebody around the world and say, oh, yeah, the, um, God will save people around the world who have never heard the name of Jesus. He will save somebody on the other side of the world who have never heard before. 
Right. They may never have ever heard the the name Jesus or know what he did on the cross, but they're still going to be saved the same way. Well, when you do that, you separate the work of the Son from the work of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. They're no longer unified in their work. One is operating independently of the other. And so I don't think, I I think that destroys the doctrine of the the Trinity to believe that way. So I I think that's well said. And I think here, this is, this is really, um, there's mainly when it comes to salvation and the work of or the work of God, the Son and the Spirit in salvation. There's basically four things I mainly teach my folks mm-hmm. at church is that when it comes to salvation, and because these are all biblical, um, basically biblical statements, is that uh, in the Gospel of John we learn that the Father has to draw someone to be saved. We understand that the in in uh, also in Scripture that the Holy Spirit brings conviction. It is also the Holy Spirit that convinces of the truth, and as on the road to on the road to Emmaus, Jesus is the one who brings understanding, right? Opens our eyes and brings understanding to the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. So all those things are true at the same time. So we have one of those here. It's a change of heart wrought by the Holy Spirit through conviction of sin. I can't convict somebody of sin, right. no matter how much I say you are a dirty, rotten sinner. I can't convict them. And I can't convince them of the truth. That is solely a work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, can, I can tell them that they're a sinner. And I can, I can tell them what's true. Mm-hmm. But the work of convincing and convicting is not mine. And, uh, that, and, and so I like the fact that that is actually put in this article is that it is wrought by the Holy Spirit through conviction of sin. He's the one that does the convicting. And uh, so it, it is his work mm-hmm. that brings us to uh, conviction and, of course, then to regeneration. And we can't forget the, the last sentence of the main opening. There is no salvation apart from personal faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Yeah. So they're not, the, the article is not trying to say something that is not right uh, it's it's not making a case that new birth is you know distanced from like you're saying the the work of the trinity in in some total nor of the experience of salvation yeah it's all yeah it's can all you there. be saved and not know it no. right 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 no anonymous christian right no, you right. cannot be saved right. and not know it right. and I, I think that needs to be plainly stated because i think there's confusion yeah just sort of in the pews maybe we haven't taught it well but I, I think there are people who do believe, who sit in Baptist churches every Sunday, who in some sense believe that a person can be saved and either not know it or be saved and not be changed. Right, right, right. But the, the, the Scripture doesn't right. give us a salvation that looks like that. And we'll talk about that later when it comes to sanctification. Mm-hmm. But that's part of the regenerating is that you know, you know you've been regenerated, right? That's right. That's right. So... Whereas the 2000 and the 63 uh, put repentance and faith in here along with regeneration, the 25 statement has it as a separate thing. And they're, they're right. I mean, this is, this is pretty standard. Repentance is turning from sin to God. Right. Mm-hmm. And you and I know from the Greek, repentance is a metanoia, which is a change of mind, which is, I wonder, which is why they would say this turning from sin faith and faith— is acceptance of Jesus and commitment of the entire personality to him as Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. There's that term acceptance yep. again. But it's extended, not just acceptance, but commitment 
That's right. And I think that's the key. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the key. And I think both of those terms, acceptance and commitment, flow out of the phrase in the second sentence, it is a change of heart. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. I think the change of heart is 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 reflected in the acceptance and commitment. That the change of heart is a change of mind. It's a it's a yes, I changed my mind about my sin. Uh, and it's a change of heart. I turn away from my sin and turn to God. But acceptance and commitment, I think, reflect that change of heart. We accept him or receive him or trust him. And at the same time, it is a commitment to him as Lord and Savior. There's no yes. there's no there's no salvation without the commitment. That's right. Know? And I, I think there's a again, that's part of the big um, maybe misunderstanding with a lot of folks is that I can I can be saved and just not be committed to him. I can mm. be saved but just not be changed by him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that goes back to what you were talking about, fire insurance, and you right. know, we can have that. But but I think both are true, and I think it's really important that we communicate both acceptance and commitment have to be there. Now, this phrase, uh, commitment of the entire personality to him, is kind of weird. I think yeah. I think I'm leaning in one direction, but how does that strike you? You know, what when you hear that of the entire personality to Christ as Lord and Savior, what 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 sticks out to you? Yeah, the, the I, it's a little funny to me. I guess the personality because we don't talk. I, well, mm-hmm. I would say this this way. I don't know that I talk that way from the pulpit when I, I don't know that I've ever used that terminology when I preach. Commit that. your entire personality. Your to personality. Him. <laughs> I don't think I've ever used. Right. Right. Uh, commit your life to him. I, I would mm-hmm. say that's that's term that's language I've used, but not personality. I guess the idea of personality would 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 communicate that it's not just a like you said earlier, not just a a saying that my soul has been saved. But then my whole self, my, my right. the way that I talk, my actions, uh, the you know not only the language that I choose and the places that I go and the friends that I that I'm around, it's everything about me should it, it is involved in the change, not just an inward change, but an outward change of all of my personal faculties. So mm-hmm. I guess that's what the word personality is really meaning. I just don't use that language. I, I think you're right. I I think you know yeah, personality to us today signals something else, but. Uh, you know, when you were talking, I was thinking, love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's like mind, will, emotions, everything you yeah. have, your body's a living sacrifice, the whole person. Um, in fact, I'm surprised they didn't change it uh, to commitment of the entire person to him. Personality, it, it's retained from the 63, but it does strike as kind of kind of. Yeah, I guess that goes back to the the very first statement in the article. Salvation involves the redemption of the whole man. Mm-hmm. I guess that's sort of a another way of saying personality. Yeah, you know, not just the soul, but the yeah. not just the the inside, but also the outside. All right, so let's shift gears from regeneration to justification, and uh, let me read the let me read the the uh, subset here, and let's react to it. Justification is God's gracious and full acquittal upon principles of his righteousness of all sinners who repent and believe in Christ. Justification brings the believer unto a relationship of peace and favor with God. A couple of changes from the 63 uh, that that you need to be aware of. Uh, Well, one in particular, and we'll talk about this later. Uh, The 63 says justification brings the believer into a relationship 2000 says, brings the believer unto a relationship. We'll talk yeah. about that more in just a minute. 
But they added in the 63 upon the principles of his righteousness rather than just righteousness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, uh, uh, as Moeller says, intentional to put this upon God's gracious um, you know, contribution to our salvation. So let's talk about acquittal. Yep. Okay, that legal term, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So what what what's justification got to do with the legal component to salvation? Yeah, this was one of uh, Martin Luther's. This was the sort of the the linchpin of the Reformation uh, was justification by faith alone. Right. This is the his his main. Um, doctrinal point of view that that led to the Reformation is understanding all of a sudden of I say all of a sudden over a process of time his understanding of justification by faith mm-hmm. uh, before he was uh, quote saved he had an understanding that righteousness came through his works he had to do certain flowing things. from Catholic That's theology right. he had yeah. to do the sacraments mm-hmm. and he had to be faithful and all these kind of things and so if he did all of that he believed in a contract of salvation I do my best God will do his part put those two together, that equals salvation, okay? Mm. That's what he believed. Until he came to the understanding, like we were talking earlier in sort of a pre-production meeting, that uh, he he came to understand Romans chapter 1, verse 17, where the just shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. So he came to understand, eventually, the Lord showed him that, that, that righteousness is something given to us. Mm-hmm. It is not something that we earn. I can't do enough to become righteous. I can't be good enough. So God has to do something to make me that way. So he changed in his understanding of justification. He sort of evolved a little bit in his understanding. He used the word, and it was being used, the word was being used, impartation, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. meaning that righteousness is imparted to us or given to us in mm-hmm. some sense, to the word imputation, meaning it is not just simply given to me; it is declared about me. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a slight difference in those two terms. Right. So when it comes to when it comes to justification, he went from impartation, which was more of a medical term, mm-hmm. to imputation, which was a legal term. He changed. The, he really changed the ball game when it came to justification. No doubt. Is, didn't he say that justification is the hinge upon which the Reformation swings? Yeah. Because Catholics would have that transfusion of righteousness. That's right. Rather than the declaration. I love how you unpack the difference between impartation and imputation because acquittal acquittal is a declaration. Yes. Now it has abiding consequences. That's right. Okay. But in the legal sense, that is a declaration of uh, not guilty. That's right. So you are that acquitted language. of your charges, right? Yeah, but because I, I can be, I can just practically speaking, I can only be acquitted of all of the charges of sin against me, yeah, because all of those charges of sin against me have been poured out, or the judgment of those sin, the judgment on those sins, or the consequences of those charges have already been paid for in Jesus. Right. He took all of that on the cross, his death and burial and resurrection, paid for all of that. And so now, because of the work has been done in him, I am now acquitted. So that's what that legal term is really talking about. And, I'm declared righteous. And notice the basis upon which it is. It's upon principles of his righteousness. That's what Paul was wrestling with in Romans chapter 3. How that's could right. God you know, declare sinners righteous? 
Well, it's on the basis of his own righteousness and the work of Jesus. It connects to sinners in this way. Uh, It's for all sinners who repent and believe in Christ. And that's right. That declaration is a part of the acceptance and commitment um, of, of repentance and faith. Justification is declared righteous. That's right, man. That that's that's hefty. Yeah, that's a that's a cool thing to think about because God God is righteous and I am not, and the only way I can stand before God is that if I am righteous, I can't stand before Him as unrighteous. Yeah. So He declares me so, so I can stand before Him, yeah. but He only does that through the work of His Son Jesus. So it's a it's, it's not how I feel about it. It's not necessarily what I see. That's exactly right. It's what he has declared yeah, to be true. Exactly right. And I love Man, I love that. That's huge. Okay, so let's let's bring into public what we were talking about in private. Okay. Our confusion over the change in this one word. And I don't know that you and I have an answer for it, but um I'm thinking about tweeting Al Moeller about it, see if he could give us some shed some light on it. So the sixty three said justification brings the believer into a relationship of peace and favor with God. 2000 says justification brings the believer unto a relationship. We thought that was a typo. Oh, yeah, quickly. Right? I, I read it and thought, hey, let's talk about this because I think this is a typo. In fact, I marked my notes up. <laughs> yes. I, I, put, I marked the U out and put an I. I did. I underlined it in my book, too. Yeah. It, but then we found out that all of our sources agree it all, that it's the same. All the same. Unto. So p- a little puzzling, uh, to be honest with you, because we looked at some English grammar talks about you know, into obviously is to bring something into uh, or a part of. So if that's the case, then it would be brought into peace and favor with God, or or and I, and maybe that's part of the signal. There is that um, justification doesn't bring you into that. The work of Christ does, and you know, I, I don't know. It's very interesting. But unto is like up to the place of, or in the in the direction of, which doesn't seem to fit. Theologically, the declaration motif. Well, it doesn't so, fit our language that we use. Right, we always right. say, I'm in a relationship with Jesus. Right. He brings me into a really, not unto. We just don't use that word. I, I don't. I don't. In, I mean, I, I don't ever use that kind of language, unto. Yeah. So I'm not really sure, uh, to be honest with you. I'm, a, I'm at a loss for that one. I, again, I thought it was a typo, so I didn't have time to really think through that <laughs> one. Um, but I would be interested to see if uh, if we were to sort of uh, tweet Dr. Moeller or, yeah. or somebody and say, hey, tell me about this word. What do you think? Because he was part of changing the word, right? Or at least he On the knew committee. that that was part of it. Yeah. yeah, and unless it is a typo that everybody keeps repeating, which is possible. It could be. It could um, be. I don't know. I, I think there's some intentionality there. But Muller does not comment on that in his chapter in this book. So, you know, I, I'm not really sure what the what the motivation was um, at that point. I think Steve Gaines was on that committee, too. May may just include him in that, see if they have any awareness Interesting. Uh, of that. But, you know, except, you know, it, it, it does fit in the sense that if it brings you up to this, that, the declaration of justification happens to you with abiding consequences, and maybe justification is not is not the mechanism that gives you peace and favor with God, but the abiding consequences of being justified 
and being acquitted of sins results in peace and favor with God. Okay, I'm going to declare that you're right. <laughs> I'm just declaring it. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I agree with you. I, I do. Painted I, myself yeah. into a corner. Or something. I, I don't. But, know. I, but I agree. I'm going to say you're right until I get another answer. <laughs> that it sounds a lot better than that. So. Yeah, yeah. And let's be honest, man. Uh, historically, this conversation of justification is massive. Theologically, it's massive. Um, in a, even in contemporary understanding of Catholic theology and what some of our listeners might understand in terms of the new perspective on Paul, justification is a it is just a, an iceberg of yeah. conversation below the surface of what we just talked about. That's true. Yeah. So the statement is good. There's a lot more in it, but man, I, I think um, I think I think is right. Yeah. I think it's right. I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I am too. All right, except the unto. <laughs> yeah, I got, we got to figure that one out. All right, so we'll we'll tweet out Dr. Mullen, see what he says, or somebody, and they can give us a, a good answer, better than yours. Right? Okay, better than fair, fair than you, and I'll take it. Fair All right, enough. so let's close the podcast. All right, We're, we'll uh, we'll pick up with the with the the, the two. Uh, final sub-paragraphs uh, in this same article on salvation in the next episode. But we're going to close with uh, a segment that we have not done all that much. Yeah. And then I'll let you uh, sort of tie it all up in just a second. But we're going to close with this segment. It's called Five Questions. Mm-hmm. I started this a long time ago, and we've done this a few times. I've actually gotten you a couple of times with yep. these five questions. That's right. For asking you five questions about anything. And you answer so now it's my turn, right? Turnabout, you, you turnabout is fair play, dude. So just so, go go easy on me. Five questions, and I will try to answer them the best I can as quickly as I now, can. Now here's the thing: you don't know these questions. No. We've not talked about these. <laughs> these this is going to be top of mind, whatever comes to your mind. But I did see that as you were coming up with these questions, you were laughing. Yeah. So I'm a little concerned. Yeah, because I'm I'm just curious okay. how you're gonna. All right, I'm okay, ready. so I'm first ready. question: If you were gonna get a tattoo, what would it be? Oh God, that's a hard one because my daughter is thinking about getting a tattoo right now. <laughs> and uh, okay. Let me tell you what she's trying to, what she thinks about getting, and I haven't told her this, but it uh-huh. would be really cool if she got it. I, I would think about getting this. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. It's the Greek word for it is finished. Tetelestai. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, so I, I like had to explain too. to her what that tetelestai means, but she saw it and thought, yeah. hey, that's cool. And so we've talked about what that word means. She wants it little bitty, you know, I want it really, really big. Just tattoo the whole thing on my back. Shoulders. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's I'll keep I, that in that's mind. That's what I get. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Uh, good, man. No, that's good. All right. Coke or Pepsi? Ooh, I'm a Pepsi guy. Okay. Yeah. Or I'll drink both, but I'm, I love Pepsi. Yeah. Because I always, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody else that, you know, in the South, you like, they come with you, what do you want to drink? I'll give me a Coke. Well, what kind? <laughs> it can mean anything. Ah, Mountain Dew, you know. Yeah. And it's like, a Coke. there's a Coke. So, but, uh, <laughs> and then you, there's always that sheepish response like, would Pepsi be okay? <laughs> You know, almost like Pepsi's a, you know. But I will say, don't ever offer anybody diet Pepsi in place yeah. of something else. Ooh. Yeah, I, I would take, agree with that. I'll take Pepsi, but not that. All right, good. All right, third question. How many countries have you been to? I have been to, uh, I've been to, I've been, I've been to two. I've been to two outside. I've been to Africa, mm-hmm. uh, Kenya, Africa, and I've been to India. Hmm. Um, I've, outside of that, I've been to Canada, obviously, but, but not, a, I mean, that's another country, but. I just mean, I guess, far away. That's not. That's it. Yeah. That's it, really. Awesome for me. Awesome. Uh, personal question: uh, Would you ever color your hair? No, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is obvious. Uh, I carry around all this gray. Yeah, and I, I was gonna say if y'all don't know Matt, he's <laughs> salt and pepperish, leaning on the salt. A lot of salt. <laughs> <laughs> and I I have seen this transformation over our friendship. Jet black hair at Blue Mountain. <laughs> yes. College, and uh, I'm just curious, you know, because I'm getting more and more gray, man, and yeah. I'm especially in my beard, and I've the thought has crossed my mind. What? What if I died this and would anybody notice? Dude, you know, don't I mean, do that. Yeah, everybody would notice, okay, and okay. everybody would think you're a weirdo. Looking I'm like Steven Seagal, man. Yeah, you got a little bit of gray in the in the beard now. I do mm-hmm, see that. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, but yep. you're thinner on top than I am too. So that, that may take a while for that turns gray. I know it's probably gonna turn loose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it turns gray. Hey, dude, if it all starts turning loose, shave it off. I will do I, that. I, I promise. I'm you. asking you. That's I'm a promise. begging you. Okay, good. I got one ear sticks out more than the other, but. Who cares? Really? I yeah. think you'll you'll yeah. do all right bald. Okay. Okay. Well, that it's funny, man. I had that conversation just Sunday. Did you? Yeah. I'm going to shave my, shave my head just do if it, I man. just go. Just okay. do it. All right. So, no, you won't color your hair. All right. Last question. If you weren't a Baptist, what would you be? <sighs> you ever wow. thought about that? What a question. Yeah. Dude, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really, I wouldn't go Mennonite. Um, I guess I, I would. Because of my theology, I guess I would have to lean into Presbyterianism probably mm-hmm. more so than anything else. But there's different flavors of that, so right. I, I right. guess that's where I would probably lean. Before, after I would do a non-denominational kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what I'd lean first. But if you're calling me, if you're calling me to say a denomination, I'd probably yeah. It's a weird question, I know, because that's you're Baptist really by conviction, yeah. you know, and. Uh, because I think that too. I'm like, well, what would I be Lutheran? Would I be Presbyterian? Would I be Evangelical Free, non-denominational? Uh, you know, it'd be Protestant. It'd be Evangelical. Yeah, yeah. But there's reasons why we're not those other things. That's right. But I'm just kind of curious. That's if, a uh, that's a really good question. Yeah, I never yeah. thought about that. Really. Yeah, yeah. Very very cool. Okay, man. cool. You close the podcast. Well, listen, th- those are fun questions. We we got to do more of that stuff, man. Just give some insight. You know, we do one more thing from time to time, and some of that's personal, some of that's funny. But um, uh, that was good, man. Thanks for being a good sport. On <laughs> it was fun. Listen, thank you so much for joining us again uh, for the Gospel Rain podcast as we make our way through the Baptist faith and message. And as Matt mentioned earlier, we're going to kind of conclude uh, this this section with a conversation next time on sanctification and glorification. And then there's one more article connected to salvation, a standalone on God's purposes of grace, which will come after that. So join us again next time as we lean back into salvation on the Gospel Rain Podcast. Thank you for joining us for the Gospel Rain Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged today, and we pray the gospel will reign in your life this week. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or check out our website at gospelrain.com. <laughs>